Lord, when I get my degree in theology in Bible, I'm just going to become a Catholic because in those days, priests didn't get married. I didn't know of any that way. I'm just going to become a Catholic. And that way I don't have to, have to deal with a woman ever again. And she looked me straight in the eye and I still remember what she said. She said, from the first day I met you, the Lord said, that's your husband. And she said, so I've been waiting on you. And I went home one afternoon after work and she said, uh, I feel like I need to talk to you. And I said, okay. And he, she said, uh, I feel like the Lord has said that I have about two weeks to live. And she said, I want to know if you're ready for that. And I said, no, I'm not. Revelations 21.4 says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. That's great news for those who have passed away, but what about those who are left here grieving on a sinful planet called Earth? The sadness of losing a loved one goes deep and can throw me into despair. Have you ever lost a friend, a parent, a spouse, or a child? How does a person recover from that kind of loss? Is there any peace and contentment to be found? Why would God allow this pain into my life? These are questions that I want to ask my guest today as he continues telling his story. I'm Eric Hutchinson, and this is the If Nothing Changes podcast. I have Tommy Briggs with me again to finish telling his story from the last episode. So, hey, Tommy, thanks for joining me again. Why don't you pick up where you left off and tell the listeners how you received your call to ministry? Uh, go into church on Wednesday night. We had services then on Wednesday nights, you know, prayer meeting and so forth. And the pastor would bring a short message and so forth. And one Wednesday night, he just said, you know, I, I feel like tonight there are some young men here. There was a bunch of servicemen that attended this church. He said, and as I said, by that time, I've been real active in what they call a Christian youth hour movement and so forth. And he said, I feel like there's some young men here that have a call of God on their life. And if you feel like tonight that you have a call of God on your life, I want you to come forward. I want to pray for you. Well, there were two or three of my buddies that went down the aisle ahead of me, you know, and it was like I was holding on to the back of the we had pews in the church, you know, holding on to the back of the pew to keep from going. And finally, I just let go and walked down there. And uh, later he told me, he said, I knew I saw it on you before you, you came down. I knew you were coming. I was waiting for you to come because I knew you were one of the ones, you know. So he prayed over us, you know, and uh, I surrendered to the ministry and started out on my journey trying to get in a Baptist college with, as a divorced person. So is your identity starting to change a little bit? You've accepted Christ. You were about to take your own life. Now you're in a a church service, and you accept a call to ministry. Yeah. Did your did the view of yourself? And you mentioned earlier about being insecure and that your masculinity and all of those things. Is it starting to change yet, or how? What's Tommy yeah. thinking about himself now? 
Yeah, I, I think it, it it actually started to change the very night that I accepted the Lord because I felt, uh, as I've already shared about my best friend, but later uh, it became uh, my identity changed from feeling that I was inferior to the position that God had his hand on me and that I was tall and slender for a different reason than I'd ever dreamed. I began to realize that my identity was in my relationship to the Lord. And later in later years in relationship to God as my father, to know God as your father, it, it makes a difference. So in our culture, and I know things were different when you were growing up, but in our culture, there is a tendency to question our sexual identity and sometimes even our gender. Some people are confused about that. How would you answer that question to someone who says, I think I'm just, you know, I'm just God, I'm just made this way. I'm, this is the way I'm made. I mean, uh, I, you know, what, what would you say to someone um, about that? Well, it's a, it's a little on the sarcastic side, but here's what I say. I said, check your body part. That's what, that's who you are. Now you may be sensitive. You may, as I was, but you're still male. And so you, you seek the Lord and uh, find out how he wants you to relate to this world in this earth journey that you're on, according to his plan and purpose and his kingdom. Right. You know, and you don't worry about what other people may say about you, but you're you're either a male or a female, and God isn't going to change his mind about that. Well, thank you for sharing that. So you're in church at the church where you accepted Christ uh, sincerely. You are you've received the call to ministry, and you mentioned something briefly, and I want you to go into this a little bit that you met someone named Nancy in that church. Yeah. So tell us about how you met Nancy and what happened then. Well, Nancy um, was in those days called the church secretary. Now they're called administrative assistants, but she was the church secretary. And as such, she, she knew all the stories of people that would come in and she was sworn to confidentiality, of course, but she knew my story from the very beginning. And so when we, when I became a part of the church and the youth ministry there, uh, because she was involved in that, she and I worked together in a lot of, of, of areas in ministry, uh, the youth ministry in the church. And there were other areas that sometimes after the pastor got to know me that she, he would call, he would have Nancy call me in and uh, interview, or she would tell me things that were going on, and and finally I would get in to talk to the pastor or whatever, you know. So I got to know Nancy real well, and so uh, I I left there and went to Howard College, as I said, Sanford University in Birmingham, Alabama, and uh, so I was in uh, my Nancy had moved to Atlanta and became. Uh, on staff with the Georgia Baptist Convention, uh, and I had a job there, and I was in Birmingham, Alabama. That was about three hours away, 
And so I got a job with a bank, Birmingham Trust National Bank, and I traveled for the bank in those days working installment loans. Uh, I was now in between my uh, going into my uh, junior, senior year in, in junior. And, you know, I was talking to the Lord one day and I just said, okay, Lord, when I get my degree in theology, in Bible, I'm just going to become a Catholic because in those days, priests didn't get married. I didn't know of any that way. I'm just going to become a Catholic. And that way I don't have to deal with a woman ever again. And I felt like the Lord said to me, he said, uh, you set out with a wrong concept of what marriage was. You set out to have a sexual experience. And you got married and had your sexual experience. Um, and that didn't work out because it was on the wrong basis altogether, the wrong reason to get married in the first place. And my wife had her own problems also. He said, I have a wife for you. If you want her, go get her. And we were best friends, and I knew he was talking about Nancy. And so she was a counselor at a camp in North Georgia, and I planned it around, you know, to have some accounts in Georgia and went and went by, and after she got through with her duties as a counselor at camp, I, we would meet. And so finally one night we were meeting, and I just sort of hum-hauled around. I didn't, you know, I, 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 I had all kinds of apprehensions about doing what I was going to do, and I just said, I just blurted it out one night. I said, we were talking, I said, I feel like the Lord said we're supposed to be together, just like that, you know. And she looked me straight in the eye, and I still remember what she said. She said, from the first day I met you, the Lord said, that's your husband. And she said, so I've been waiting on you. And I said, you will marry me? And she said, absolutely. But that's how I found Nancy. Wow, that's <laughs> she found amazing. me, and I found her. Oh, that is she so amazing. She knew the whole story, and not once in 47 years did she ever bring up my previous marriage, not one time. It was not an issue with her wow. because she felt like the Lord said that we were to be together and we were together in ministry all of our lives. So I know there's a lot of history uh, that, that we're probably going to skip here, but so sure. when did you, and, and I'm again, I, I know the listeners don't know this, but you took on some ministry roles. You became a pastor and so at what time did your church know about your divorce? There came a time uh, in, in, at Halton Road Baptist Church over here in Halton City in, in Fort Worth. Uh, there came a time that I felt like the Lord said, you're supposed to tell the whole church. You've only told the committee. And so one night we had a business meeting. I asked for a, a business meeting. In fact, it's one Sunday morning. And I said, uh, the pulpit committee, call me. I've been your pastor now for four years or something like that. I became convicted that I should make a public announcement about my past before I came to know the Lord and before I got a call to the ministry. 
and I told them the story, you know, and today I was living in a church-owned house, driving a church-owned car, and my total income was from the church, and I didn't have a savings account. And I said today, uh, I prayed with my family already, and I'm laying my keys to the house on the on the t- Lord's table here. Here's my the key to the car. I'm resigning as your pastor. And if you want me, I want to be your pastor, but you'll have to call me in light of what you know. And I still get emotional because immediately uh, there was a man stood up and he said, I make a motion. We go into a business meeting this morning. They went into a business meeting and he said, I make a motion. We call Tommy Briggs as our pastor. And they voted to call me. And uh, I think I had uh, a couple of deacons that did not vote, but they were no descending votes. So what led you to tell the church? So the committee that called you the first time already knew that you were divorced because you disclosed that. So what led you to come before the congregation and give them that. I think that's awesome. I think transparency needs to. I think that's a, an incredible example of how pastors should be. But what yeah. led you to that? I went to a retreat uh, down in Florida, and I became convicted that that was bothering me that the entire church didn't know the truth about their pastor. And I came back out of that retreat, and I think it was maybe the first Sunday or the second Sunday I was back. I felt led to to reveal that to the church. Well, I applaud your transparency, and I, of course, have been in ministry myself, um, and I was divorced and had to drop out of seminary, and it was um, always something that came up if I said, hey, I'm interested in applying. Well, you know, are you divorced? And yes, I am. And, you know, there was that judgment that sometimes I felt, but I really applaud the fact that you felt the need to be transparent and open and honest with your past in front of your congregation. And uh, so in Celebrate Recovery, and whenever I'm in, you know, in the recovery ministry, we have a saying that says, we're only as sick as our secrets. And that sometimes yeah. we, oh, wow. you know, we try to keep our secrets and we think that that's okay to keep those secrets. But in essence, those secrets are what's keeping us from real relationship with God. So, yeah, there should be nothing in your life that somebody doesn't know about. The words. And so uh, there is nothing in my life. Every temptation I have, every downfall I've ever had that somebody doesn't know about, you know, and that's true even to this present day. So I want to uh, move to something that, uh, uh, you know, you mentioned that Nancy is no longer here on this earth. So yeah. what uh, what happened? Because you guys were married for 46 years? Seven, 47, 47 years. So what what led to her passing? What happened to her? Did she get uh, sick? Or, or what, what, tell, walk me through those events. Uh, about, um, uh, well, as a matter of fact, um, I was on the staff of another church in the city, uh, here in Fort Worth, and uh, my wife and I had prayed for about a year, and we we had been there for 17 years, 
and we felt our season was over, that senior pastors had changed a couple of times, and we just felt that it was time for us to leave there. So um, I was an elder in the church, um, and so I called and I asked for an elders meeting, and I resigned uh, as an elder. But on the way home, my wife had been to the doctor that day, and the day that I resigned, she called me on the way home and she said, are, are you coming home? And I said, yes. She said, well, uh, come on home and I'll tell you what the doctor said. And she told me that day that the doctor had told her she had uh, cancer mm -hmm. and uh, that it was in a progressive stage and that they would, he would start chemo and uh, do radiation. And so we did that for almost a year. And in fact, over a year, I think. In the meantime, I had come on the staff of the present church where I am. As time went by, we kept she getting, uh, he, he said, okay, she's in remission. The radiation has worked. He said, but if it ever comes back, this type of cancer, there won't be anything we can do. And so we had, she was cancer free for about a year and then it started appearing again. Uh, we started, um, he started giving her medication for pain. And he said, there's no point in putting her through any further uh, chemo or radiation because it will not touch it at all. There came a time when my wife, uh, I would, I was still working and she was at home and, and my children and other friends were staying with her during the day because she was getting very weak. And I went home one afternoon after work and she said, uh, I feel like I need to talk to you. And I said, okay. And he, she said, uh, I feel like the Lord has said that I have about two weeks to live. And she said, I want to know if you're ready for that. And I said, no, I'm not. Uh, but if the Lord has told you that, then he will get me ready, I suppose. And she said, well, let's talk about anything you want to talk about. And so we did. And then she prayed for me that I would uh, continue in ministry as long as the Lord let me live on earth. And that she gave me permission. She said, our marriage vows are for uh, till death do us part. You have my permission and blessing if you want to get married again. And uh, so I told her, I said, I don't think that will happen, but thank you. So then I prayed for her and uh, she got progressively worse. And uh, uh, so finally one night we had hospice, uh, the nurse to come to the house to give her medication and one night the hospice nurse came and said, you know, she's going to have to have intravenously stuff. And so if you want, I will call the doctor and have her readmitted to the hospital. And I said, let's do that because I want her to be in pain and so not be in pain. And so we went and she went in and out of, of consciousness. They kept her pretty heavy on medication. But the night she passed away uh, in 2010, I was with her and the children had all been there that night because the nurses told her that she would probably not last another day. 
and she was there and she um, she raised and opened her eyes and uh, I went over to the bed and leaned down close to her and here's what she said she said I can't believe you love me the way you do and that tore me apart and it had not always been that way and I said well you know that's the Lord and she said yes I know the Lord she said but I want you to know, you know I love you too and uh, about uh, three hours later she went to be with the Lord so did you ever question God, I mean, about that kind of thing? Sometimes, and I know that my brother passed, he 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 killed himself, and, you know, there's yeah. always that question of why, why God, why would you allow this to happen? Did you ever question that about Nancy or about anything that you just said, you know, God, I don't understand why this is happening, and, and are you sure? Yeah. Well, here's the way the Lord dealt with me about that. When the issue would come up, I would hear the voice. Why has this happened to you? You've served the Lord all your life, you know, basically all your Christian life. And here is, is what the Lord gave me. Why not me? I'm a human being. I'm part of fallen humanity. And I'm subject to disease, and as all humanity are, and my wife was subject to disease, and it so happened that she gained cancer. And so I feel like the Lord entrusted that to me as a means of me walking it out in faith, even though it's not what I wanted. And it would didn't, certainly didn't desire it and hated every moment of the sickness and pain that my wife went through. But at the same time, it, it was sort of like, if I don't give you what you asked for, where will you be in your faith? And I, I determined I will not waver. God being my helper, I will not waver. I will trust you no matter what. And I think when problems come and issues come, it is, in essence, from my perspective, a test of faith. You see, I don't have any trouble testing or trusting God when I'm in a worship service. I think faith is exercised when you can't find God and you don't understand what he's doing. That's when my faith comes into an action. And it's like, Lord, I don't understand. I don't I don't feel you. I don't sense you. I don't know where you are, but I trust you. I believe you're here. And so I exercise my faith in you and believe you. And sure enough, the Lord shows up sooner or later. And as a friend of mine has said, I don't think God has a time clock. Because <laughs> he never does it on my time schedule. <laughs> but it's always the best thing that could happen to me. So how was that grieving process? As you know, being in a counselor that everyone goes through a grieving process when someone that they love passes on, when yep. did you finally have peace from God about her passing? So I, I did. I, you know, afterwards it was like, okay, what, what assurance, Lord, would you give me some assurance 
I know Nancy was a believer. She's a believer before I was. But I want some assurance. Would you, if in your mercy and your grace, would you give me some assurance that Nancy is okay? So one night I woke up and I was fully awake. I got up, went to the bathroom, totally conscious. This was not a dream. It was a vision as best I can describe it. But I saw Nancy in the bed. She got up out of the bed and she said, I want to sit on the side of the bed. She wants, She said, I want to stand up. I helped her up. And then she started walking and dancing around the bed. And it's like, oh, she, I said, you're not in pain anymore. No, everything is gone. I, I, I am, I have no pain whatsoever. I, have, I am totally, completely healthy. She was just, and, and that, that lingered for a little bit. And then I said, well, praise God, we, we're going to start our lives over and live our life on earth. I just fully was aware that I was here on earth and everything, my wife was back and everything was great, you know, and then the vision went away. And I realized that it was a vision. And I said, Lord, wait, you know, it was so real to me. And the Lord said, you wanted assurance that Nancy is okay. And I gave you that to reassure you that Nancy is with me and she's happier than she's ever been in her life. So I, out of that, you see, I walk in faith and ministering and doing what God's called me to do because I have total peace that soon and very soon, as the saying goes, I'm going to see my wife again, as well as other loved ones and friends, you know. Amen. What a gift that he gave yeah. you through that vision. Absolutely. That's amazing. I, I, I didn't know anything about visions. You know, I read about them in scripture, but I had one and it was as real as, and I, I was not asleep. I was not in any way. I was wide awake and everything was so real that it, it was just, oh gosh, this is back, you know, but it was a reassurance from the Lord. Uh, where I came from in South Alabama, I will do this quickly. Uh, I, uh, men don't cry, but then I discovered we have tear ducts. And so uh, I learned at the passing of my wife, as well as other things that have happened in my life that we won't go into today, but particularly about the passing of Nancy, uh, I would discover that there would be times when I would be driving down the road or sitting in my room at night, and I would just start crying. Tears would just come. And I discovered that God said, I, you, there's something when you actually allow yourself to cry, there's something that happens in your soul, that there's healing in your soul. And so you cry when you need to cry. And so I'd say to people that are grieving, cry if you need to get all alone by yourself so you're not embarrassed. But cry when you need to. Don't go to despair or depression, but cry. It does something for your soul. So Tommy, last question. You have lived a lot of life. What would you tell the person who is in despair? 
Maybe they have recently lost a loved one, or maybe it's just some other issue, but they have lost their way. They are looking for peace and contentment. Maybe they're looking for a message from God. What advice would you give that person? I would say, if you are a person who is trying to find your way to try to understand, first of all, Christianity is the expression of how life really was designed to be lived. And you'll discover peace, contentment, and happiness that you've never known before. If God is giving you a message, he is speaking life into your being. And the sooner you turn and listen to him and have the courage to be obedient to what he's saying, the sooner you'll discover peace and contentment in life as you'll discover the answer to many issues that you've been wondering about. And so I'd say the sooner you discover that, the sooner you'll find peace and contentment. Thanks, Tommy, for sharing your story with us. Hey, if you are listening today and you're struggling with life, maybe you've recently lost someone or maybe you're just hurting. Grief and pain are a part of this broken world, but let me assure you of something. There is peace and contentment to be found in Jesus Christ. Won't you allow him to comfort you and give you peace? You see, God never wastes a hurt and he can turn your graves into gardens, but you've got to let him in. You've got to let him in to your hurt and change your perspective. Because if nothing changes, nothing changes. See you next time.